so 2,000 years ago, you guys know the story. An angel named Gabriel broke 400 years of divine silence. And he made an announcement that absolutely altered the, the history of the world. And so the message, I think, is very interesting. The message which came down from God, it wasn't for the powerful rulers in Rome or in Jerusalem. No, no, no. It was for a humble Jewish teenager who lived in an obscure village called Nazareth. Of course, her name is Mary. And uh, little did she know that her life was about to change forever with this angelic announcement. All right, so what did Gabriel the angel say to Mary? So right now, if you're looking at Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Can you just say amen so I know you're there? Okay, so here we go. And he, Gabriel, came to her, Mary, and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, everybody look at me real quick before I go any further. This is written by a guy named Luke. Luke was a reputable doctor and a reputable historian in the first century AD. And when he put together his gospel called Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, he interviewed many eyewitnesses who had been there and seen this for their own selves. So what I'm reading to you tonight is not a fairy tale and it's not myth. This is accurate history um, that we have before us this evening. And so he said, oh, um, he said, Gabriel said to her in verse 28, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. It's usually what happens when anyone is confronted by an angel in the Bible. The first words out of the mouth of the angel, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you, I'm winding down at the end of verse 31, you will call his name, shout out his name, Jesus. How many of you guys believe that there's power in the name of Jesus? You don't believe me? Just say it at work. Find out what happens. You'll see the hair standing up on the back of your coworkers' necks. He, verse 32, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob, i.e. Israel, forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Wow! Mary must have been absolutely blown away by this message that was given to her of all people. I mean, in the world's eyes, she was a nobody from the hills of Galilee, but God had chosen her to be the mother of the Messiah. And what would that Messiah's name be? We read it in verse 31, Jesus, in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means the Lord is salvation. And so not only that, not only would he be called Jesus, the Lord is salvation, he would also be called the Son of the Most High. That points to his deity, and not only that, but because Mary was a physical descendant of King David, her son would one day sit on 
David, King David's earthly throne and rule over Israel and the world forever. So son of the most high, that speaks of his deity, it points to his deity. Son of David, that points to his humanity. Ladies and gentlemen, fully God. Jesus was and is fully God and fully man. This was an amazing announcement. And as I said in my prayer, God didn't have to do this. God could have said, you want to have it your way? Have it your way. But God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And this son of God, this eternal son of God, was about to step down from heaven to earth and become a man. And who would carry him for nine months? Who would give birth to him? Who would feed him and clothe him and raise him and always be there for him, always have his back. Well, you know the answer to that. Her name was Mary. So God extended his amazing grace to this humble teenager, and I, I wanna talk about her response tonight. What was her response? If you're taking notes, Mary's response to God's grace, one word, adoration. She had an attitude of gratitude, yeah, but she also adored the Lord. As you heard in the the video, the word adore means praise, it means exalt, it means magnify. And so Mary was so overwhelmed with adoration in response to God's grace. And so in this very short and simple Christmas Eve devotion, what I'm gonna do tonight as I go through the verses is I'm gonna pull out three decisions that Mary made which show her adoration for the Lord. And what's happening in the text is that after Gabriel meets with her, this adoration of God's grace is bubbling up and rising up inside of her, and it is about to overflow in what is called, in Latin, Maria's Magnificat, Mary's Magnificat. And we'll see that at the end of our time together tonight. Before we get to all that, Let's see how Mary responded to Gabriel. Right now, if you're looking at Luke 1, verse 34, can you say amen? So I wanna make sure you're following along in the scriptures. Everybody look at me real quick. If you're new to Calvary, we don't do motivational speeches. We teach God's word, and we make application to our lives. And so verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be? since I am a virgin. All right, so how did Mary adore the Lord? Point number one, if you're taking notes, she saved intimacy for marriage. Now when Gabriel told Mary that she would be the Messiah's mom, she wanted that to happen, but she had no idea how it could happen because she knew she had never been intimate with a man. It's true, she was currently engaged with the local carpenter uh, slash mason, a guy named Joseph, but Mary and Joseph had made a decision to save sex for their wedding night in obedience to God's command. And some in our current culture, right, would think that, man, that choice is absolutely ridiculous, but I think it showed that they Mary and Joseph really wanted to honor the Lord in their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, the Old Testament, which was the scriptures that Mary and Joseph had, is super, super clear. If you're listening right now, please say amen. 
God, Almighty God, yes, there is a God, whether you believe in him or not, there is a God who is the creator and sustainer of all things. And he said very clearly that marriage, which he created, marriage is to be enjoyed, and sex within marriage is to be enjoyed between one man and one woman who have been united in the covenant of marriage. God created sex. The world has perverted it, but God created it, and he created it for one man and one woman who have been joined together in the covenant of marriage. By the way, this was echoed in the New Testament. Check it out. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Why? For God will judge. You see, that's a promise of the scriptures, just like any other promise in the Bible. But no one has this on their refrigerator, right? But God will judge. Who? There's two groups. First of all, the sexually immoral. In the Greek, as pornea. It's not just pornography, it's any sexual sin, including fornication, which is sex before marriage. God, if you want to be judged, just keep doing whatever you want to do. God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. That, of course, is sex of a married person with someone other than their spouse. And so my question to you as the culture laughs at this truth and mocks this truth, most of the TV programs, most of the movies, it's all the same message, and I guarantee you, pardon the bad English, it ain't that. And so as the world laughs at that truth and continue to do whatever they please, my question to you is this, are you willing to be different? You might say, but people are gonna laugh at me if I decide to uh, save sex and save intimacy for marriage. Well, listen to this, maybe it's time to stop living in fear about what other people think, and like Mary, start showing your adoration to God by living a sexually pure life. Who else is gonna tell you this? I guarantee you, you're not gonna hear this from the, the large screen that's hanging on your wall. And I guarantee you, your kids are not gonna hear this in public school, and your older kids aren't gonna hear this in public university. But ladies and gentlemen, we are Christians, and I'm proud to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, after you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, Christianity is about receiving power from God in order to keep his commandments and carry out his commission to make disciples. I'm proud to be a Christian, and I am thankful that I have the opportunity to live for him in my life. Are you proud? And so, somebody here might say, but I already messed up. I'm not pure. If you're listening right now, could you please say amen? amen. The blood of Jesus Christ can make anybody pure. Anybody pure. Guess what? If you've messed up, God loves you. And if you'll turn to him in repentance and faith and receive his son as the savior and lord of your life, he'll come in and cleanse you and change your life. He'll give you eternal life. Eternal life in the next life, abundant life in this life. 
What more could God do for us than what he's done? And if you're a Christian and you messed up, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let Jesus give you a fresh start today. Look at verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Wow, what an announcement. Changed the course of history here. Verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And so Zechariah the priest and his wife Elizabeth are pregnant. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. I love, love, love Mary's response. She said in verse 38, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel, no doubt with a smile on his face, <laughs> departed. So how did Mary adore the Lord? Number two, if you're taking notes, she surrendered to God's will. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one thing to surrender to God's will when everything is easy. It's a whole other thing to surrender to God's will when things are hard, when it's difficult, when people are gonna misunderstand. And life is about to get really hard for Mary. I mean, put yourself in her sandals. How is she gonna explain this to her parents? She's gonna start showing really soon. And so when she starts showing, her parents are gonna notice. And what are they gonna say? Probably, Mary, how could you? Mary, who did this? And she looks at her parents and says, God. And they look at her and say, don't get smart with us, young lady, right? How is she going to explain this to her parents? It's going to get hard for Mary. How is she going to explain this to her fiancé, Joseph? He didn't know the Christmas story. He didn't have a New Testament. He couldn't go to Luke and say, how am I supposed to respond to this? No, he had no idea what was going on. Things are about to get hard for Mary. How is she going to explain this to her community, right? As soon as she starts to show, tongues are going to start to wag. The rumor mill is going to start to turn, and she's going to be the talk of the town. And so no doubt, Mary considered these hardships. And yet, I love her response in verse 38. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Question, ladies and gentlemen, how in the world should we Respond when the Lord calls us to do something difficult. And the answer is just like Mary. We should surrender our will to the Lord's will. Isn't that how God, or Jesus taught us, Jesus who is God, taught us to pray in the Lord's prayer? Check it out. Our Father in heaven. By the way, these aren't just words that you just say on Sunday. Right? These are words that you're supposed to believe in your heart, say with your lips, and live out with your feet. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and go ahead and say the underlined part, go ahead. Your will be done, God. 
whether it's hard or easy, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if you're here tonight and God's called you to do something difficult, if you're here tonight and God's called you to do something that people are gonna misunderstand um, or get angry at you, my encouragement is before you go to bed tonight, get on your knees, get on your knees and pray, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, may your will be done in my life just like it's done by the angels in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, not long after Gabriel departed, the power of the Most High overshadowed Mary. It's absolutely one of the greatest events that ever took place in human history. Again, Luke, the historian, the doctor, interviewing eyewitnesses, no doubt Mary as well, writing down this history, not faith, not, not um, um, uh, fairy tales or myth. And he wrote it down within about 30 years or less after it happened. No time for legend to set in. And so what happened? What happened is that the Shekinah glory of God, of God's holiness, came upon Mary. Listen, this was not like the pagan myths of the gods cohabitating with the women. Nothing could be further from the truth. This was like the Shekinah glory of God, the, the holiness of God, the glory cloud in the Old Testament as it filled the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle or in the temple. And through a miracle of the Holy Spirit, the Christ child was conceived in Mary's womb. John has one of the shortest versions of Christmas. Two verses. John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, help me out, was God. Not a God. Don't open your door on Saturday to them. Not a God. They changed the Greek. They changed God's Word. God have mercy. No, 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 not a God. In the beginning of the creation, space-time, material universe, God ex nihilo, speaking out the material creation. In the beginning of that was the word, the logos, the Christ. What does that mean? He's eternal. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh. Merry Christmas. Incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so after getting pregnant, Mary really needs somebody to talk to. She needed a deeply spiritual woman that she could maybe um, um, speak about what's going on, the hardship in her life. She needed a listening ear, somebody who could sympathize with her. And so what did Mary do? She got on a donkey and she traveled about 100 miles from Judea all the way down to, to I'm sorry, from um, Galilee all the way down to Judea to visit her relative Elizabeth who was also pregnant. And so Elizabeth was barren in her older age and yet, God had blessed her and her husband, Zechariah, by allowing her to get pregnant. She who was barren became pregnant. Does anybody remember the name of the baby in Elizabeth's womb? John, John the Baptist. And here's what's so cool about this story. When Mary, 
knocked on Elizabeth and Zechariah the priest's door and she gave the greeting to Elizabeth. Does anybody remember what happened to the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb? Yeah, he leapt. If you need a scriptural reference, um, John chapter one, verse 10, says that John the Baptist would be filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. I'm sorry, chapter one, verse 15. So John, unborn John, was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, John 1.15. And when Mary greeted his mother Elizabeth, what did he do? He leapt in his mother's womb. Now the fact that John the Baptist was spirit-filled as an unborn child, and the fact that John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb at Mary's greeting, listen, it tells us how real and how alive and how precious he was before God. Listen, before Elizabeth gave birth to him. And so ladies and gentlemen, Psalm 139 is crystal clear. Listen to the word of God. God knit us together in our mother's womb. What does that mean? That means that all unborn children are real and alive and precious to God. 1,000% before they're born. And we have got to continue to fight for their right to keep living. Can you imagine if Mary had an abortion? Can you imagine if Elizabeth had an abortion? No, 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 no. What you gotta understand, if you choose to make Calvary your church home, this church is unapologetically pro-life and we will continue to defend the rights of the unborn and speak out for that. Thousand percent. We don't care what the culture says. We care about what God says. And Elizabeth rejoiced at Mary's arrival. Look at verse 42. It says, and she exclaimed with a loud voice, this is Elizabeth crying out, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in the womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary said, in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. Okay, how did Mary adore the Lord? Point number three, your last point. She savored the scriptures. Now the word magnify in verse 46 is translated into Latin magnificat. What does it mean? It means praise, it means to exalt, it means to adore. I like to call Mary's Magnificat, Mary's anthem of adoration. So you see what's been going on in the text, this true text, this real history here? What's happening is that this adoration, ever since Gabriel gave this life-changing announcement to Mary, it's been bubbling up inside of Mary and it's been rising up and now it's about to overflow in Mary's Magnificat, Mary's anthem of adoration. So you read it in your heart, I'm gonna read it aloud. Check this out, and keep in mind as we're reading this, she's not reading a scroll, she's not reading a prayer. This comes from a teenager's heart. Verse 47, my soul magnifies the Lord, 
and my spirit rejoices in God, my, what does she say there? Savior, I'll come back to that. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Please do not let pride block what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in your life. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers. And now this teenager goes all the way back 2,000 years to the book of Genesis, and she remembers the Abrahamic covenant in this prayer, this poem, this song, this anthem of adoration as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This teenager knew Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, where God, the only God, the one true and living God, revealed himself to Abraham and said, through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. She remembered it. She spoke it. Now, it's absolutely amazing to me that this anthem of adoration was filled with the Bible. Check out what Charles Ryrie said about this. He said, there are 15 discernible quotations from the Old Testament in this poem. She's a teenager. She knows the word. And it's flowing out of her as she sings or prays or recites this poem to the Lord from her heart, showing, second line down in the middle, how much the Old Testament was known and loved in the home in which Jesus was reared. Well, yeah, absolutely, but where did Mary get this? Well, Mary, no doubt, got it from her parents. And so I wanna say thank you to Mary's parents, right? Why? For teaching the word of God in their home to their kids. And guess what? It worked with Mary. She's a teenager and she knows the word of God and it's flowing out in her prayers. And I wanna say a challenge to all of you parents that are here tonight, if you got kids in, in your home, teach them the word of God. How many of you guys know the word of God is powerful and it can change our lives? And so man, our kids are on um, um, all kind of crazy social media um, outlets and, and they're being discipled by that. Moms and dads, you need to disciple your kids with the word of God. Mary's parents did, and it took, and not just that, she took that wonderful principle, that heritage, and she passed it on to the next generation in her home to a pretty famous person named Jesus <laughs> and all of his half-siblings after he was born. And so praise the Lord, this teenager knew the word of God. And what did it cause in her life? It caused her to prosper. If you're listening right now, I want you to say amen here. Okay, listen to the word of God. Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You got ungodly people speaking into your life, either through the TV set or the screen or your friends, or your coworkers, cut it off. 
I'm not saying you gotta cut off relationships. I'm saying you gotta stop listening to them. Blessed, happy, you wanna be happy? Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his or her delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in that law, they meditate day and night. He or she will be planted like a tree by the rivers of water that yields his fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. Listen to this. And whatever he or she does will prosper. Why? Because of the influence of the word of God in their lives. And so does anybody think Mary had a prosperous life? Yeah, she may not have had a lot materially speaking, but she sure was rich spiritually speaking. And you and I can be rich spiritually speaking if we'll meditate on the word as well and teach it to our children and let them pass it down to the next generation. Be counterculture. Ladies and gentlemen, any dead fish can float downstream with the current, but it takes a fish that is alive to swim upstream stream against the current of the culture today. Do you have the life of Jesus Christ in you? So many people, my heart breaks every Christmas and every Easter as we double our attendance. So many people think they're saved because they repeated a poem after a pastor for fire insurance, but they're not saved. You say, how do you know? because there's been no change in their life. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you guys believe Jesus is powerful? When he gets a hold of your life, he changes your life. And he absolutely changed Mary's life. And so in conclusion, how did Mary adore the Lord? Well, she saved intimacy from marriage. She surrendered to God's will. She savored the scriptures. You say, I want to be like Mary. Well, you can't. Merry Christmas. Let's close in prayer. No, I'm kidding. You can't be like Mary unless your Savior is her Savior. Unless her Savior is your Savior. What does that mean? Did you guys notice it in her poem? She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Look at verse 47, please. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit Spirit rejoices in God my, what's the word there? Savior. Last I checked, the only people that need a Savior are sinners. And Mary is not some special person that we should, you know, put up in esteem, you know, because she was like born perfect or whatever. No, 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 no. Mary is just like you and I. She was born with a sin nature and she chose to sin and she needed a Savior. That's what the scriptures teach. And so however old she was, we don't know. When she turned to the Lord in repentance and faith, he saved her. And what's the result? Right there. Those character traits. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Hear this, please. These things is not things that she did to earn salvation. These things are things she did because she was saved. You see what I'm saying here? She didn't do these things to be saved. She did these things because she was saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord alone, Christ alone. 
And so, my question to you tonight is, do you really have a relationship with the Lord? Because here's what I know, if you will turn to Christ in repentance and faith, he'll change your life just like he changed Mary's life. He'll absolutely do it. He will get a hold of your heart. And the last verse is this. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Please, 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 don't wait another day. Please don't wait till you take your last breath to get this settled. Please turn to Christ tonight. What better night than Christmas Eve to meet the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And so in a minute, after we sing Silent Night, Pastor Will is gonna share with those of you who are not sure if you have a relationship with the Lord, uh, what you can do tonight before you get in the car and leave. But first, we're gonna honor, adore, exalt, and praise the Lord one more time. And so Pastor Will, come on out. I love you guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.